Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I believe him to be right now, staked out in Portland at the uh, second of two after winning last night in Portland. Got Portland coming up on Thursday, the best out west so far at 38-16. and 16. And with uh, Minnesota, also the head coach of the Western Conference All-Stars. So he'll be in town coming up this weekend to Chris Finch as the head coach of the Timberwolves on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Chris, thank you very much for the time here in Indy with us. How are you? I'm great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, fantastic. Your team is playing fantastically. I want to get into them a little bit, then get into the All-Star break and being a part of this. The thing I noticed, I guess, the most is being a huge basketball fan and watching the NBA is just the, the different level your team seems to play defensively right now, which is something I'd like to see the Pacers get into at some point. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. What has been that evolution process with your team defensively that has made them so much better it seems this season well you know listen i think you got to have guys who you know like and value and are good at playing defense i mean it sounds kind of basic but it's it's true it's a good place to start we're fortunate to have a lot of two-way players um and you know some of our young players in particular are you know really good defenders they take the challenge and guard on the ball uh and then you know, then it just becomes about learning the league, learning these players, picking up tendencies and the schemes and the coverages, and that just takes experience and time. And, and uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, for example, always been great on the ball. His competitiveness is at a high level, but off the ball, he just gets better and better every year just with familiarity. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have Rudy Gobert, who is uh, drives it all. Like, he, it, it's his approach to defense. It's his um, you know, his desire to, to want to be great at that end of the floor and instill that into his teammates. So you got to be good at the point of attack, which is really hard to do in today's NBA with the rules and the skill. Uh, and then you got to be good at the rim. And, you know, fortunately, we have those things covered. You know, we have things that we're not as good at, but we got the basics covered. So that gives us a fighting chance every night to be a good defensive team. He is Chris Finch, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and your Western Conference All-Star head coach here coming up on Sunday in Indy with the All-Star game. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You guys, I'm always curious about this because Miles Turner also is like a, a block guy, gets a lot yeah. of blocks. And the thing that stands out to me about Gobert is uh, it is even more so an impact with those that drive. Let's just say they get past that point of attack that you're talking about they get into the paint get into the lane and then there's a detour after that because just his simple presence there makes them have a change of heart about attacking the rim how big is that even beyond chris the block itself yeah i think well we talk about all the time it's deterrence you know the deterrence is probably the the thing that you can't measure which is probably the biggest impact you know driver to changing the way these teams want to play i mean you look at the new NBA, there's such a, you know, emphasis on efficiency. What is efficiency? It's, you know, open threes, making threes at a high rate and getting to the rim. And, you know, if you're able to kind of take one of those away, 
you you got a chance to be a good defensive team. And there's different ways to do both. But um, you know, with Rudy in there, and you know, and, and guys like uh, you know that just have a massive deterrence to it just changes the way teams want to play. They get in there, they may settle. They get in there, they might kick out to guys who you know are not the first shooting option. So yeah, that's that's something that we understand is really driving a lot of of our defensive impact. I often wonder this, too, because we're the same age. I'm assuming you're the class of 1988, like I'm the class of 1988. So you and I have, have gone through a change in dynamic, a change, generationally speaking, of the way basketball is played here. And the traditional center when we were growing up is the non-traditional center nowadays. Does it take a little bit more to work in a guy like Rudy Gobert now that that is kind of viewed as such a non-traditional pivot or a non-traditional center in this era of basketball? I think schemat- I think like schematically, uh, you know, teams are trying to play out of tons of pick and roll, spread spread the floor, run pick and roll, create, you know, three-pointers out of it or shots at the rim. I think that is familiar with, with everybody now. What takes some time is just, you know, do you have the guys on your team that are able to throw lobs? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, can you, can you get the ball to a guy like Rudy you know, in the most opportune spots, you know, above the rim, um, you know, at the, you know, in, 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 in and around the rim when he's able to seal again, switches. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what's taken us a little bit of time. I and mean, we've had some guys that uh, are better at it and naturally have played with, with lob threats before. Um, you know, you guys have an incredible one there and Tyrese can make every pass on the floor, but not everyone can. So it just takes a while, you know, to rep it out and practice and come, come across the different situations in the game. It's uh, Chris Fitz, the head coach of Minnesota, the Western Conference All-Star coach on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. You said after the game last night that when in Portland it was a second of a back-to-back. When you were asked about you know you know what it what it takes to win a back-to-back, you mentioned your guys just like to play basketball. And that yeah. is a large part of that. And you can see that, too. And it's beyond the success, right? It's beyond the success of winning or hitting shots or feeling good. It's just wanting to get out there and suit up whenever you're called upon. And that is a big deal, especially in a long NBA season with a lot of these back-to-back situations like that. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and it, you know, trickles down. It's leadership. Mike Conley, uh, you know, uh, 17 years in the league, he just wants to play every night. He doesn't want to be on any kind of rest or, or load management program. Um, and that sets the tone. Like, Rudy loves to play every single night. You know, our young guys, you know, fortunately, they're, they're wired. They want to play. They love the competition. They like to be out there. Um, you know, they're not looking for nights off. And you got to manage it. And that, we have a deep team. We have, we're fortunate enough to have a deep roster. We had um, we have nine, ten, eleven. Some, you know, before the trade deadline, we had a couple guys in Shake Milton, Troy Brown, who were definitely NBA rotation players who we just weren't able to get into our rotation. But we had uh, a lot of guys, so I think that helps too. So you're able to manage these games and these minutes in a in a healthy way without just having to park guys. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that organizationally. Our president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly's not. We don't think it's good for our organization. We don't think it's good for our young players. We don't think it's good for the league or the product overall. So we've been advocates of trying to play. And that's not to say that, you know, teams that aren't resting or aren't doing it strategically or for the right reasons, but it's become too much of a thing. And, um, you know, we're just going to try to do our thing to play every single night. 
You mentioned Mike Connolly, 17 years in the NBA. He is from Indianapolis and just won so much uh, at Lawrence North High School. He and Greg Oden as a part of that that particular group. What does he bring to the table besides wanting to play every night, never wanting a night off? What does that 17 years of guidance and leadership bring to your team with a great deal of youth that's a part of the winning going on there? Well, he's been so impactful to our young players. You always hear about these vets, right? Like, you need a veteran presence on, on a team with young players, but you got to have a veteran presence who can still go out there and get it done. That's what gains the most amount of respect from a young player. Playing alongside a guy that can still get it done, but also impart the knowledge and experience that he has and teach him everything. And he's just, he's be, he, you know, I, I said this before, I'm not sure Mike came here wanting to be a leader. I mean, he is a naturally a great leader, but he... He is a, a you know, he's become an incredible um, leader for us just in his, his presence, the way he talks to our, our guys, like calm. And then, of course, he still can go out and play at a high level and his clutch performances, you know, he can just flow along in the game, make sure everything's going. And then when you need him to step up in the last four or five minutes, um, he can really just, you know, make all the plays that break the opponent's back. And when he's not been in for, or he's not played particularly well that night for, you know, whatever reason which happens, you know, we've struggled. And, um, and that's how important he is for us. And there's just many ways I can express it, but he's been everything we could have expected and more. So Chris Finch, not only the head coach of the best in the West in Minnesota, but the Western Conference all-star head coaches on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Does it make it even more gratifying? I mean, having a season that's far from complete right now, but being the coach of the Western All-Stars being here in town this weekend, for the journey that has been your career that has, you know, gone to Europe as a player, as a coach, and then back over here, does it make that journey even more gratifying? It, it makes it more surreal. Uh, I mean, certain, everything, every, every day is gratifying to me in, in this job, one of the lucky ones. Uh, I really never ever thought I'd be coaching in the NBA. It wasn't a stated goal of mine. I always thought I'd be a small college coach somewhere. Um, but just the way things have unfolded for me, I've been really lucky. Uh, and this is just one more opportunity I can't believe that I get, you know, get. I think not many times in, in your career these days where you kind of get anxious or nervous about your environment uh, after you've been in a lot of different situations. But this one has the, that, the makings of that nervous excitement that you have, um, you know, when you walk into an something that feels really big. Hey, I, I feel bad about asking you this because, I mean, hell, your team has a game coming up tomorrow night still in Portland. But have you thought about Sunday? Do you have some scripted plays that you're going to call for these guys? Or are you going to turn them loose? Or what the hell happens? What's going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I, I've not thought about it a ton. I have made some phone calls to you know people around the league that I know have done it before and you know gotten some advice. And, yeah, yeah I think it's the NBA is a player-driven, player star, a star player league, and, you know, I, I'm going to leave it up to them. Like, hey, give me your favorite plays, and we'll try to incorporate them. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fun with the guys, too. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we put on a good show. I like the fact that we returned to the East-West format. Um, I think it will infuse some natural competition 
and um, I'm confident the guys will give give us a, a good a good performance on Sunday. Yeah, run a little flex motion or something like that, and just surprise <laughs> the hell out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tell you, that's 1980s basketball right there. <laughs> yeah, they go, wait a minute, what are we doing? Here? What is this again? I don't even what is huh? Right. So yeah, I got to move twice on this play. You're telling me? <laughs> wait, I don't go up and set a high ball screen. I, I seriously, I don't <laughs> jump past. What am I allowed to do here? I don't know. So, yeah, I um, I did want to ask you this because you're a basketball lifer and you've been through so many different generations of that certainly um where is basketball today compared to how much has it changed since you were playing early stages as a coach and do you like the way that it has changed both in the way that is played and the way that it is officiated with the rules um well it's changed a lot i think we covered some of that with you know talking about the the evaporation of the low post play. I mean, that's when we were growing up, you know, that's kind of where it all started. Um, I do like where the game is at because I love the amount of skill that's in the game right now at all positions. I mean, skilled bigs are, I mean, these guys are incredible to watch. You know, um, everybody has them. If you have them, you can they become like an offensive micro system. You can just run everything through them. Um, but I will say what I do miss a little bit, the game's become quite homogeneous. You know, you just, everyone's playing some version of the same style. It's one thing I do like, you know, about our, our lineup. We, you know, we, we we're big, we play big, we try to stay big. We will post you up, but you know, we still try to play some modern analytically driven basketball too, spread you out. Uh, we, we try to be a hybrid according to what our personnel allows. Um, but I, even in Europe and, and around the world, like you used to be able to tell like, Hey, a Serbian team played like this, a German team played like that. Uh, Spanish team played with a bunch of flair, you know, and uh, and like like that's gone somewhat. You know, everyone kind of plays the same version, so I do miss that. But I think that's a result of just all this skill now, and of course, you know, the anal- analytics in the game. Like once you know these things to be true, and you can't unknow them. You know, efficient basketball is efficient basketball, and. People are going to trend to that now. Yeah, and, and not oftentimes you're going to call call plays back in the 80s and the 90s where you drive it up the floor and uh, get past the hash mark and go ahead and shoot it. Just do it. Put it up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, shot, shots that people value now. And Yes. You know, Steph Curry's made, you know, uh, famous. Like, we weren't allowed to take those shots in high school. No. <laughs> No, well, I mean, in stepping stepping into it, I mean, the, yeah. these these they're not quite layups, but they, I mean, it, it they're easy shots when you know they come by surprise and there's not much of, of a closeout on you right there. So, and, and that's what everybody's learning. It is amazing, but you're right about the talent level, and you're going to be coaching that up coming up here in town on Sunday. Chris Finch is the head coach of Minnesota, your Western Conference All Star head coach. Now, when you see Michael Grady, make sure you tell him that I just talked to a guy in Indy that has a, a hell of a lot better jump shot than you do, okay? Make sure you tell him that. I will do. We love Michael, man. He's been awesome for us. No. He came, come on board. He is a terrific dude. Hey, uh, the best of luck to you again tomorrow against Portland, and uh, have a great time here in Indianapolis in the weekend, Chris. We appreciate you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, Chris Finch, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of 
leadership, leadership value, Valley Sports Indiana. You can find him later on tonight. He and Quinn and JJ, along with Eddie Gill, Toronto, getting ready for the Raptors and the Pacers. Chris Tenary joins us now. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Jamie? Outstanding. I just talked to to Chris Finch, and I'm assuming you probably have before you guys have before. I, I love talking to basketball coaches like that. I mean, it's just great. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, that's that's the thing I love uh, about the job that I have. Uh, you know, I mean, around sure, it all the time. Pacers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do Pacers games, and we want the Pacers to win. No question. But uh, we're also part of a bigger brand, the NBA, and. You know, I've done this for 18 years now, had a chance uh, to really travel the world with coaches and uh, people, front office people and uh, leadership from the NBA. And you're right. There are so many great stories. Uh, there's no cookie cutter way uh, that you become a head coach in the NBA. And uh, Chris Finch, uh, he definitely uh, found a different route and he's been highly successful. And, and to your point about Mike Conley, I mean, when you have leadership like that, I mean, that has galvanized their team. They are a different franchise uh, because of the addition of Mike Conley. Yeah, no question about that. Kristen Aries in Toronto. Final game before the All-Star break features the Pacers and the Raptors coming up later on tonight. Uh, help me sort out, because you were there and you were calling it on Monday. What, what the hell did we witness on Monday in Charlotte? What was that? I'd say a bad performance, uh, you know, coming off uh, what I thought was a really good win on Saturday in New York. Um, you know, and I did say I, it, it's a much different Charlotte team that they faced. And, and you've got to respect the fact that, you know, they brought in some veterans. Uh, Grant Williams, Seth Curry sort of has a point to prove. And uh, I just didn't think, you know, the Pacers, you know, played well enough to win. And you know, it's almost like they, at halftime they had the one point lead and maybe they thought, OK, you know, we'll turn it on, you know, as we, as we have during the year. Third, They've been the, one of the best third-quarter teams in the NBA, and that just didn't happen. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, they were only down a point going to the fourth, but they never let. They could never gain control of that game. And so, yeah, highly disappointing. Uh, I think the players were very disappointed in themselves. Uh, Dustin DePirac had in the star that – uh, before the coaches uh, got with them, they had, you know, they met as a group and um, highly disappointed with that performance. So uh, hopefully a better one tonight. Um, this will be, uh, you know, an interesting game from the standpoint that uh, right now, Miles Turner is questionable due to illness, Benedict Matherin also ill. Um, so it was sort of a light group at shoot around. Uh, there probably were more media people coming in after the fact. Uh, because of the return of Pascal Siakam tonight. So that that's going to really be center stage. Uh, you know, Siakam's playing his 15th game as a pacer. He played well over 500 with Toronto and helped them win a title. So that's going to be a real storyline tonight, the return of Pascal Siakam. Hey, he is Chris Denary, the voice of the Pacers. Valley Sports Indiana coming at you later on tonight. That tip time's at 7, uh, 6.30, right? 6.30, you guys are? No, what time is the game tonight? 7. 7. 7.30 yeah, game. 7.30 yeah, 7 game. 7.30 game. 7.30 tonight. Yeah. Make sure I got that going. Chris Denary, who joins us now. Um, yeah, you mentioned Matherin, too. Matherin, to me, the other night looked more – more than sick. He missed all four of his shots, and I'm sure you guys noticed everything was absolutely front rim. Everything was front. There was a lot of signs there, whether you got an ache and a pain going on in the lower extremities, you're sick, or you just don't have that normal level level of energy. That's exactly how he looked Monday. Yeah, because he had come in uh, prior to the game uh, in New York, uh, 
you know, he had played pretty well. He had about a four-game stretch where he was averaging 20 points, and he missed a game because he was sick. And he's not really recovered from that, and he also uh, sprained his ankle. So he just – you're right. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, tries to battle through things and uh, just didn't look himself. I mean, he had no burst. I mean, he's a guy that usually is good for two, three, four baskets, you know, right around the rim, and he just had no ability to get there. So – uh, you know, it was one of the poor performances all year by the bench. Uh, yeah. I mean, the bench got badly outscored by Charlotte, and this has been the number one bench in the NBA. But you had Matherin struggling. You don't have Jalen Smith. Uh, you just, you know, they're trying to get Doug McDermott going. He he has not, you know, made a shot yet. But I think that'll change. I mean, I, I'm sure Doug's pressing a little bit, um, you know, after the trade and, and, and trying to make good things happen. But I'm very confident that uh, – He'll turn the corner, and hopefully that's tonight. Has this looked like a team that is in need of a little time off here for this all-star break to you? I, I think so. I mean, just from the standpoint that, John, when you if you take a step back and, and look at the whole season, you know, where they are right now, uh, they're 30 and 25. Uh, they're back in sixth in the Eastern Conference, though they're just a half game ahead of both Miami and Orlando. And I think as the season started, uh, you know, you weren't sure what to expect. You thought they'd be better than last year, and they clearly are. They have a much better record through 55 games than they had last year. And, and, and from the standpoint that they're, they were much better uh, this year when Tyrese Halliburton was out than last year. Because remember, uh, when he got hurt in New York last year, they proceeded to lose 9 of 10. This year in the 13 games that he's missed, they're 7 and 6. So that's a vast improvement. But, I, you know, it, it, you have highs and lows in this season. And uh, they had an extreme high during that run uh, to the in-season tournament championship game with the Lakers. Uh, they had a later run where they won 9 of 10. Uh, so, But I think if you look at it in totality, and I heard your interview with Chad Buchanan on Monday, is I think they feel pretty good where they are but they know they have a lot of work to do and it'd be really nice to get this win tonight and then have five to seven days where you can recharge and then get ready for the second half of the season, though it's only 26 games that starts with a four game homestand. So uh, I think all in all, I I think it's been a really, really good year. Um, Have they bettered expectations? Hard to know because I think this has always been a, a group that wants to get to the playoffs. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll find a lot out, you know, once we return from the All-Star break, because those final 26 games, this team has a chance to, to, to get back to the postseason, and that's what they want to do. A lot of these games, and I know you've had guys that have been out, and, you know, people will suggest the, the acclimation process with that trade and, you know, Halliburton coming back, so on and so forth. But the one thing also that has, has stood out to me, the trade of Buddy Heald, obviously, also another standout here. But the thing that also has occurred to me is they looked so good a lot of times against good teams, for example, like four or five from Milwaukee, when that ball is popping around, when it is moving. It just seems as of late it is getting stuck. And also, to me, as of late, what they were doing to teams like Milwaukee earlier, and Giannis 
mentioned it twice, I think, in two losses, uh, four of those losses. Twice he said, you know what? I just ran out of gas. We just ran out of gas. And they were running people seemingly off the floor with those young legs. It looks to me like they have tired legs and the ball offensively sticks a hell of a lot more right now than it did earlier this season. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I look back at the New York game on Saturday. I thought they looked like the Pacers of old, right? They scored 125 points. Uh, you know, they had a solid second half. Halliburton had 22 points and 12 assists. And I, I thought the ball really moved, and, and you're right to that point. I think, you know, one of the things is is different teams are defending Tyrese a little bit differently. And this team um, has not been as efficient getting out in fast break situations as, as they were earlier in the year. And, and part of that is on the Pacers, but part of that is the way teams are adapting and in, in how they handle making sure, uh, you know, that, that they get back in transition because that's where the Pacers are so effective. So uh, I think all of that is true. Um, I, I, I think, The scores have been a lot lower. I mean, they've tried to be better defensively, and if you look at the numbers over the last 25 games, they are better defensively. Through the first 25 or so games, they were dead last in points allowed and field goal percentage and and defensive rating. And through the last 25-plus games, they're right around 17 or 18. But that's also come with the offense declining a little bit. So it's a little bit of a, a give and take, John. Uh, from from that standpoint, and uh, you know, I, I think they'll they'll look at things uh, through the first fifty six games, and when they come back, you know, we'll see you know how things change uh, from that standpoint starting next week. Yeah, and that's the one thing. And Chris Denary joins us. We talked about is all right. Their defense, their defense is better, but it doesn't have a high ceiling to get much better. At least I don't think that it is right now with this particular personnel where they are, again, presently. However, the one thing you couldn't really see would be a not-so-subtle drop offensively. And I, I kind of live, again, by the mantra with this team that if you don't score 110, you ain't going to win kind of thing right now. And we saw that the other night in Charlotte, obviously. It just seems like you can't lose a level of offensive play that they have because that is going to impact, obviously, not being able to stop teams as much as you want. I mean, hell, you looked the other night, it wasn't like 111, I think, Charlotte put up on the board. So that's a good defensive night for the Pacers yeah. on most nights. It was, and they shot it well, too. It was just a, like a volume issue, it felt like, offensively. It wasn't a percentage issue as much as it was a volume scoring issue. No, I think you're right. I mean, I'm looking at the sheet here. They shot 51% yeah. from the field. Uh, they only had 11 turnovers, and that only led to 11 Charlotte points. In fact, the Hornets had 19 turnovers, and the Pacers scored 19 off those. But they were only 8 of 30 from three-point range. And, and you know, you're going to win. This team is going to win very few games when they do that. Now, I look back at the in-season tournament when they played Milwaukee and Vegas. They shot it very poorly from three-point range, but Milwaukee gave up a ton of points. So, uh, this team's got to be a better three-point shooting team. They're still fourth in the league at uh, 38%. So uh, over the course of the year, they've been a real good three-point shooting team. But on a night like Monday night, they've got to make more three-point shots because that really hampered you. Uh, you know, you're always going to take three for two, and uh, the Pacers didn't make enough threes on Monday night. No, did not. So um, you mentioned, Chris, 
the return for the first time in a different uniform for Pascal Siakam. And, you know, the I guess the media that was there a little bit earlier today, how was he embraced in Toronto? I think they love him. And, you know, there are a lot of fans, if you go to social media, very disappointed that uh, he's no longer in Toronto. I mean, when practice was over and they opened up, you know, for the media to come in, there were like 30 or 40 people that came uh, barreling out of the tunnel, um, all ready to talk to Pascal Siakam. They've got a tribute video tonight. Tip-off will be uh, about two to four minutes late because of – uh, what they're going to do to honor Pascal Siakam before the game. So I think he's going to get nothing but love from the Toronto crowd because of what he's accomplished in his career. And, uh, you know, you look at his numbers, John, um, over the first 14 games, he's averaging 22-7-5. and And if you look over the last three years, there are five players that average 23.7 rebounds and five assists. One of those is Siakam. The other four are Luka, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic. I mean, that tells you uh, the type of numbers that Pascal Siakam was putting up in Toronto, and it's the type of numbers he's putting up with the Pacers here through his first 14 games. It's uh, Chris Denary. He's the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports TV, coming at you later on tonight. 7.30, the tip. 7P, your coverage begins from Toronto. So, responsibilities? For All-Star Weekend, do you have any? Are you going to be able to enjoy it? Are you going to take some time off? What's happening? Yeah, I have a little of both. Uh, tomorrow night at the uh, opening tip-off celebration, uh, Quinn Buckner and I will be a part of that at Bicentennial Unity Plaza. A uh, number of Pacers uh, alumni will be in town, and, and so that's going to be a great event tomorrow night. That's that's the tip-off uh, to the to the whole weekend, and then I'll be out and about. Uh, I understand you're doing a show on Sunday now. Yeah, you want to join me? Uh, I, I, I talked to John Griffin earlier today, and uh, I'll look forward to, <laughs> to heading downtown and, yeah. and joining you. Um, I think I'm going to uh, All-Star Saturday night. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I've got some grandson duties uh, during this time. But, uh, you know, try to do a little bit of both. Enjoy uh, the All-Star festivities, but also – uh, enjoy a little bit of time off because uh, once we come back, it's 26 games in, you know, a little over a little over two months, um, and, and so we'll be ready to go. It is a sprint to the finish, without a doubt here, and hopefully, uh, the Pacers pick it up and uh, get a little bit more consistency, though. But no, join me on Sunday. That'd be great. Three until five, winner's circle. You could be there, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I'm planning on it. I don't know. I don't know if you need me the whole time, but I'll definitely stop. Oh hell, just stay the entire time. Yeah, we'll just we'll <laughs> hang out there, throw back some beverages, do what we normally do on a, on a Sunday. I, I um, I absolutely love what's going on here. I do, and obviously going back to when I was 15 in 1985, I wasn't up here at the time to attend any of the all-star events, but it has changed so dramatically and there is so much going on. And you know, what's funny about it, Chris is that we, we talk about it and really everybody talks about this event as it being just commonplace. Oh, there's all this going on and how, you know, how are you going to handle this and how are you going to handle that? And there's never a worry around here because they have done it all to this point and everything always works out smashingly, which is exactly what we expect for this weekend. Yeah, our city just uh, hits everything out of the park. Uh, You know, many, many, many years ago when I worked at Butler, I was involved in 
in final fours and first and second rounds. And so I understand all of the work and the detail that goes into this and how many people uh, with Pacer Sports and Entertainment, uh, led by Rick Fusen and, and soon to be Mel Raines, uh, the Sports Corporation, just everybody that that puts this together. Um, and, you know, so many national people have been here for Super Bowl and the Combine and the Indianapolis 500 and everything that our city does. Uh, there's no question this is uh, this is going to be something that a lot of cities in the future will try to match. And uh, I'm not sure they'll be up uh, to what Indi- uh, Indianapolis can do. So Kristen Airy with us again, 7.30 the tip, 7 o'clock. Your coverage begins with the Pacers and the Raptors, the final one before the uh, All-Star break coming up here. Chris can join us again coming up on Sunday when we're live at the Winter Circle having a good time as well. All right, well, hopefully they go out and get it. I do agree with the assessment. You get this tonight and you don't have to jack with worrying about you know losing back-to-back like that going into this yeah. All-Star weekend. You can enjoy it a little bit more, can you not? Oh, no question. No question. And it's interesting, John, because, you know, I always worry about teams the way they're playing. And and I went into that game in Charlotte. They had snapped a 10-game losing streak by beating Memphis. They had all this energy with all these new players, and that's what proved to be the factor. Tonight, you have a Toronto team that is desperate. I mean, they've gotten blown out their last two games. They made all these changes. Uh, You know, how do they come out? Uh, So... Um, yeah, I'm sure that for this Pacers team, absolutely they want to win it so that they can improve their record, but they also want to win it for Pascal Siakam. So uh, there, there's a lot at play tonight, and it will be a very interesting watch. All right. We'll be watching later on tonight, and then I'll uh, catch you on Sunday for that special Sunday right. show here downtown. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, John. It's uh, Kristen Airy, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. From the morning show, we affectionately reference as Sweebo. That's uh, Andy Sweeney and Kevin Bowen. Morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. So, uh, Silk and Freak Me, was that your wedding song? No. Our um, our wedding song was Leon Bridges Beyond. It's actually our fifth year, uh, five-year wedding anniversary on Friday, John. Is it really? Well, happy anniversary. Happy, you're going to like play a little river band for happy anniversary, baby. Put you on my mind. What did you say? Lloyd Bridges? No, Leon Bridges. Leon, no. Leon Bridges. How did you? Yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas there. Uh, I think you've heard the song. At least once you hear it, I think you'll know. Yeah, let's see. What's it called again? Leon Bridges Beyond. No, crank that up. In honor of our good friend Kevin Bowen and the upcoming anniversary. Here we go. Did you feel uncomfortable when this was playing? Um, I was just focused on uh, not tripping and when could I get my next drink and how how quickly could this end. Who chose this? Was that you? Uh, no, I, I, I think it was a somewhat mutual decision. I think we had to narrow down to like, I don't know, a couple songs, and we both enjoyed that. So 
You know, um, yeah, I don't think it was more of like, you know, you, this will be the song that, yeah. you will listen, that you will dance to. You know, it's funny. I I did, when I first got out of college, I did a lot of uh, of uh, wedding DJs. And I did it in and around Bloomington, and it always seemed like that this was the most common song played for a wedding song. Recognize this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It got to a point, it was so frequent that I said, if you want to hear this, I'm not playing it. All right, I'm not doing it. <laughs> now, what if they what if they gave you a DJ's choice? What would you have gone? Oh well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something like hip hip hop slow jam, like Freak Me or Knocking Boots or you know Comforter by Shy. Yeah, something maybe from uh, Boys to Men on Bended Knee. I'll make love to you. Something like that. Something that kind of sets the mood a little bit more than a crotchety guy telling you about it's a marvelous night for a moon dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're thinking nine months ahead here. You, you I, aren't thinking you yeah, know, I know. in the old present trying to appease the older generation <laughs> sitting at table three. Nope, no, I agree. Hey, happy anniversary to you and Maddie, which is uh, coming you. up. Yeah, not a lot of people decide to have that wedding in the wintertime, too. No, Whose it, choice was that? No, that was our older brother got married in the winter, and it went pretty well. Um, we actually had really good weather. Honestly, it was kind of day like today, you know, just getting that, you know, barely in the 50s, and it was sunny. But I, I, I love it now. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you kill two birds with one stone, have a Valentine's Day, and wedding anniversary two days later. You don't have to you know, go above and beyond for either of them. So, yeah, I'm actually a huge I, – I, I couldn't – I mean, unless you get horrible weather, I couldn't re- recommend it more. Plus, I felt like I was at the age, John, where you had so many weddings, like, in the summer that – I felt like a lot of my friends really looked forward to like, oh, yeah, we've been trapped inside all winter. Boom, here's a chance to go out and yeah. uh, have a great night. Hey, uh, do you know the story? Your partner is a Sweebo. That's uh, Andy Sweeney. you know the story of, of their wedding? Um, I don't. Think they got, I do. they got married in front of a Taco Bell in Sellersburg. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. For a split second, I'm telling you, hey, I swear it. to you, it's 100% true. And for there's a Taco Bell right off of 65, right as you get ready to go into Sellersburg. And and uh, Andy thought that that would be a hell of a place to get married. Well, I thought you were going to maybe say, oh, this isn't Fuzzy Zeller. I have a nice golf course down there, beautiful you know, venue there. Yeah. Covered bridge. I feel like I feel like I was there one time when they had a wedding there. Um, yeah, gosh, the amount of jokes you take at fellow Southern Indiana. Um, I guess it takes one to, yes, to know one. There, it does so. because that's about as many times ten that's been lobbed at me all time. <laughs> so yes, I I know that to be true. Hey, hey, Kev, I, we're we're having fun and talking, but I I do want to get to the serious subject of what went down again in Kansas City. A little bit earlier today, 10 people shot uh, near the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade. Uh, One killed, three critical, five in serious condition, one non-life-threatening. That is the latest, according to NBC News. And uh, I didn't know how else to put it there. I have no profoundness, uh, profoundness in this statement whatsoever other than we just live in a world of dumbasses, and here we go again. I mean, I don't know what else to say at this point. I wish I did. I wish I had the words. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, just absolutely sucks. And, you know, when so much of this, John, happens of events that, you know, memories for a lifetime. You know, when you think about 
know, probably people in our market and you know, if they're diehard Colts fans and you know what the parade meant to them or just what in general you know those things I mean how it happens at concerts it happens I mean you just go to the groceries I mean whatever but you know when you talk about happy moments whether it's a Super Bowl parade or again going to a concert or you know, sporting events, things like that, um, and you just you just have to live in fear. It sucks. Yeah, just absolutely horrifying. And again, not to go down you know a, a deeper path with this, but I remember feeling this a few years ago. I think it was right around when the um, Noblesville Middle School shooting occurred. I remember I was out of the track that day, and it was kind of like mid-May, and, and I, I remember thinking about that, and then leaving the track that day and listening, you know to the radio and hearing more and more info about it and thinking to myself, well, if there's an old, the, the, the smallest of small silver linings here is at least it's close to the end of the school year. So those children or parents, and at that time, I, I don't even think I had Rosie been born yet. They don't have to live in fear of their kids going to school where again, sadly, inevitably this happens way too often. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't have many profound words outside of that. Yeah, I don't. Horrifying and sickening. Uh, I wish I could. I, I just I wanted to get everybody updated on on that terrible situation coming out of Kansas City with uh, that breaking news of the past uh, last hour and a half. Uh, that has been uh, on ongoing right there. Kevin Bowen of the morning wake up call with KB and Andy is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There is no adequate transition to be made right here. Um, but we're forced to because we do do a sports show here and we will do it. I heard you guys talking this morning. Um, there's no way, shape, or form Indiana State has a chance right now as an at-large. No way. After last you, night you, losing to that YMCA team, there's no way. <laughs> I, I, I would tend to agree, but did you see they only dropped to 28th in the math for what yeah. it's worth? Yeah, who's doing that? It's like I'm doing that math. Well, sure, but, I mean, you'd sign up for that math. I mean, no, I, I, I yeah, I would. I don't, trust, I don't trust committees, Kev. I never have and never will. I'm a non-committee, non-board truster. Is that fair of yeah, me? Yeah. Well, and especially when you're talking about this committee in this day and age of college athletics, where I just think inevitably they're going to side with the power schools um, when they're filling out that that bracket. And yeah, I think what really hurts Indiana State is you, you don't you, you don't have I think the first metric they look at, which again for a mid-major to have the great great wins is difficult, but. You know, they lack that, you know, whatever, quad one, quad two. And now they have the thing that I feel like they point to as the most glaring of, do you have a bad loss? And last night was just an awful, awful loss on, on every level. Home, uh, YMCA team, I believe is how you described them. Yes, uh, yes. 13 points. They were just as bad, to be honest with you. You see the, the three-point shooting in the first half, two of 26. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I would feel confident I could drop kick two of 26 up there in the basket. <laughs> I would, I would. Pay, we might need to do that in the uh, hey, try in the one basement here. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have one said these, that. Uh, <laughs> one of these nights, um, I was watching it. You know, Brendan King was on the call. We had him on yesterday, and at, well, at some point in the second half, he goes, and that's the second made three of the game. And I was watching it kind of off and on. I'm like, that can't be right. You know, like he had to have meant like second made three of the half. And sure enough, you open up the box score, and it's like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, Illinois State was terrible from three and I mean the only I, I thought they would have fallen a lot more in the net I'm trying to think like if Drake runs the table they run the table Drake beats them in a last second shot you know in arch madness I mean I I know I'm getting 
way ahead of things. But what, just honestly, with the product last night, and, and you know this, John, they've played with fire a couple of games here in the last Oh, game. yeah. Well, but Josh Schertz, he mentioned last night an entitled team. He mentioned that to me about three weeks ago after that, yeah. that near miss at Belmont down in Nashville. He said the same thing. And the fact he had to bring that up a month later, somebody that's on that floor, somebody in that locker room that's a player needs to stand up and say enough is enough because you're right. They have not played up most of the time to those expectations that they set for themselves. Right, and I bring that up to be like, I, I don't think it's a guarantee that they just run the table, obviously, uh, even even though their schedule, I know Saturday is probably their most difficult game the rest of the way, but it's not like they're playing, you know, the Drakes and the Belmonts and the Bradleys of the world um, the rest of the season. So, yeah, I, I, I hated seeing that, um, and, and obviously they'll be sweating it out unless they can, you know, win those three games in four days coming up. Uh, here in a few weeks. Yeah, and uh, the three-point shooting. I, I just I, I want to see them. All right, so you're not shooting a well from distance. Do you have anything else in your bag? And clearly last night right. they didn't. So that's problematic right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, boy, the, the two-point numbers were ugly as well. Um, yeah, it, it just wasn't a good – and I know bench has been a question, you know, how deep can you go into that? I'm thinking, well, you know, the beauty of it is you know, for the most part, it's not like you're playing a ton of back-to-backs outside of the conference tournament. You obviously don't do that in the in the tournament. But you know, I, I was getting way ahead of myself, and yeah, it'll be a it'll be an usher-like sweat for the Sycamores on Sunday of Selection Sunday, unless they're able to win the Moval. Yeah, you know that sweat. That was like me. We used to uh, go to Bloomington, obviously, on dates when I was in high school. That was me trying to get home just in time with a date after eating at Chi-Chi's. That was the type of sweat, uh, uh, reminiscent of me. I thought, okay, can I make it home, or do I need to stop and run in the woods like I'm being attacked by a hornet? What should I do? The Mount Rushmore of sports sweaters. You've got you know, Bruce Furl, Sean Miller, uh, I guess Usher after Sunday night up there, and then uh, – Put up there, John, uh, John Michael Vincent up there as well. One of the great moments, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but watch it sometime because there are some, especially television-wise, uh, there are some things that hold true today. Watch the film from 1987 called Broadcast News. Broadcast News. And, and see Albert Brooks anchor the weekend national news and get uh, a case of the flop sweats. And this sweat all over. It's just so awesome. Just a great scene. And I know you do TV over at Wish, and I would watch you if I had Wish in the last five years. I'd be glad to watch you. But because um, I have direct TV, have you ever been uh, attacked by a case of the flop sweats when you're on yeah. TV? Honestly, um, so earlier this year, I want to say it was one of the times the Colts played, not that they played a lot, but I think Colts had a Saturday game, one of those games this year. And so we were doing the Sunday show that next morning. And usually my two segments are like 1130 and 1140. So I get into my car at like 1105. I only live like 15 minutes from Wish. I get in my car like at 1105 and the producer texts me. He's like, hey, wh- where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting in my car. He's like, you're on in like four minutes. I'm like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, let out a word that I won't say here. Yeah. And I mean, all of a sudden I start sweating like no other. And then you get in the studio. So I totally missed. And this is live TV. I totally missed the first segment. I walk in with like 90 seconds to go for my next hit. So like I'm putting on my mic. I'm kind of in scramble mode. And you know this, those lights are kind of hot in there as well. Yep. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, Dear Lord, I've not sweat this much in years, and 
there I am trying to, you know, wipe my brow. And I'm like, wait, I don't want that to show up on camera. So, yeah, I was literally, um, yeah, I look like Usher, frankly. I was uh, doing a weekend sunrise. Well, there are a couple of different times on weekend sunrise for three years. And one was after we had a remote. It was me and Hagen and Jack Trudeau at a bar. And um, I was a little hung over the next morning. And I was rolling in there at about four. And I knew this was going to be bad. And I got in there, I hyperventilated once, I hyperventilated during it, and I had like eight minutes in front of, you know, the HMOM, what they call it, the monitor, while I was hyperventilating, and then there was one time when I walked out there and standing in front of that monitor and my pants were unzipped. I don't know if evidence, I don't know if evidence does exist, but I hyperventilated once, and then once I went out there with with my song that I want to write, my country song, I leave my barn door open with my barn door open. (laughs) Channel 13. And that's gra- that's no, back no, when no. people watch Channel 13, too, unlike today. <laughs> well, there goes any chance you have <laughs> of, uh, of getting back on there. Yeah, Chris, we, we Chris have- Hagen's pumping his fist right now, though. I guarantee that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to go down that path at all. Uh, there's got to be a screenshot of you with the, with the barn door open. Oh, I, I hope not. Car, yeah. They told me, quote, I, they said, you look more pasty than normal. And I said, yeah, you know, I feel it. <laughs> I, I used to put on my own makeup and everything, too. It was great. It was great. But no, oh, the, the sweating thing was uh, with Usher. I, I actually, going back to the Super Bowl and everything, all-encompassing, I was entertained by it all. Full disclosure. I didn't have an issue with any of it. How about you? Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I, I'm always in like, okay, just give me the entertaining game. And sure, I mean, the first few quarters a little slow. But, you know, if you'd have told me at the start of the night, and literally I thought this when they went to the two-minute warning, it's going to be a tie game and one team's going to be in the 35-yard line. <laughs> Sign me up. Like, I, I don't really care how we get there. And, again, we had some clunkers of playoff games this year. But I loved it. Yeah, I mean, Usher was outstanding. Alicia Keys, uh, little John Ludacris. I mean, everybody. I was uh, – I was a fan of it. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of these recent halftime shows have hit, you know, more Maddie and I's whatever genre, generations, however you want to describe it. So I love that. And, you know, to get an overtime game, it goes, whatever, 14 minutes yep. deep. Yeah. Uh, sign me up for that. And nobody knew what the hell was going on, basically. Right. <laughs> Wait, what happens here again? <laughs> Which I love. I literally. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, can we get, honestly, a little bit more of Steratore just to, like, explain this? Because Lord knows Romo is not going to be explaining the rules in a in a proper manner. Um, so, yeah, because I think, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially when the clock was winding down, I thought that was kind of one of the more confusing parts of, like, wait a minute, is this, like, a change of possession here? Or are they just flipping sides to the field? And, you know, obviously Kansas City knew full well what they were doing. I love it. Kevin Bowen, morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. It is here on The Fan. I mentioned Indiana State. Let's go to Butler last night. The last thing you knew when that dude buried that three from, you know, left uh, key extended for that three, he banked that in. You knew that thing was over. But I will say this. When they were down two and they got a steal, they were going to the other end on a break, and then the trailing Marquette player intercepted the pass, and it was a turnover and then another turnover. That was kind of that opportunity. I thought Butler had, but the opportunity still is right there in front of him with Creighton coming in on Saturday. That opportunity to solidify is still right there. You just don't want, I don't want to see them trip and fall here down the stretch. Yeah, we had Nick Gardner on earlier today, and I said it to him. 
and again, there's no way to say it without kind of like nerding out over bubble talk, but like I would think Butler's got one of the better looking resumes when you start to actually compare them to like those other teams in that range. I mean, I want to say they have seven like quad one or two wins and, and over half of them are away from home. Like again, that's pretty dream scenario. And last night was almost a house money game. Like they don't have bad losses on that resume. Now, again, they got to avoid that. I think they played a Paul again and, you know, whatever, if you're going to see Georgetown again, you obviously got to avoid things like that. But I mean, last night to me screamed, you know, one versus eight, two versus seven, you know, however you want to describe it, second round matchup. I thought Marquette looks to be a, certainly a final four type of team. And they're probably the hottest team in college basketball, not named Purdue or UConn right now. uh, When you look at their run since Butler last beat them. So uh, and, and honestly, again, it, a lot of it, I think, comes with silver linings because, sure, you know, Butler is going to probably need one or two more on the resume to feel really, really good. But, um, you know, the fact that Finley Bizjack gave him, by the way, I got love the love the look of that kid. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, he does. Yeah, uh, that, that man, he, he hit some big shots in, in that second and Not half. just, you know, I, I went to a practice at the start of the year. I'm like, you know, someone was sitting with me. I was like, oh, yeah, he'll be a great shooter you know, for us and, you know, feel like he could maybe play a little bit off the bench. I mean, several of the plays he made last night were much more than just standstill shooter. And uh, again, I think that's important for Butler to, you know, try and have some different things they can turn to outside of the obvious, which is, you know, kind of the bully ball with Telford and Brooks there. So yeah, uh, they have done a nice job in handling this, you know, big gauntlet run here of getting a few of these wins and, uh, if they can get Creighton on Saturday, uh, that will only strengthen things for them. So, Kevin Bowen with us. You surprised that Chris Holtman was cut loose today in the fashion in which he was? You know, maybe a little bit just by the in-season nature. But I remember when the Notre Dame job opened up last year, like people talked about Holtman leaving Ohio State to like get ahead of this inevitable situation. And, you know, obviously it's gone awful here over the last month and a half, but Still, just the midweek. I mean, that. I, I yeah. I don't feel like I, you, you see that a whole lot. You think Shrewsbury would leave Notre Dame for Ohio State? <laughs> God, I hope not. I, I brought that up to be a horse's. You know what? My bad. God, now you have me sweating again, like I'm like a monster here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, would, I just I, I brought that up to be a jerk. My bad. Yeah. God, what about? Josh Shirts to Ohio State. Does that make any sense? Um, uh, well, you, uh, if you were to say Dusty May, I'd go, God. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> like, I, everybody, when anybody at IU mentions Dusty May, I, I just face palm and I go, as much as. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I shouldn't be that way either. That's completely selfish out of me. I'm just. Would I'm looking at it take, with the effect of me. So. Would he take Ohio State or Louisville? Um. I don't know. I don't know at all, having not talked to him about this whatsoever. And I know what he would say is, I really enjoy being where I am. But I think that with what they accomplished last year and again, what they're going through this year, you know, even with the upgrades to the program and the NIL money that's raised, you at that position don't turn, you don't say initially no. You look at everything, right? If it's Ohio State, if it's wherever in the Big Ten, don't you look at it, right? Yeah, and you know a lot of it. I guess I don't know what if you're exactly asked. the comp- what the compensation's looking like at Florida Atlantic and and, and things like that. No, oh, he's got the dream gig. I mean, that's it's a great place to be, but the, sure. the longevity of that, like right now, 
you know, they they get beaten overtime or they win by five and people go, ah, you know, he's just not doing as good a job as he did last year. Well, you know, he is. There's just more of, you know, a team going out and, and getting at them because of what they accomplished last year. There's more motivation against them right now. They're in a better conference than they were this time a year ago. So I think to me that if somebody like Ohio State would call you and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this gig? That would be a, a phone call that would be answered. Yeah, you know, the thing about Holtman's run at Ohio State, again, they've been very bad these last two years. But, like, if you look out at it like that, it's not, I mean, it's not awful. And I, I, I get it. It's Ohio State's athletic program. I mean, there's obviously, a you know, a, a higher standard there. And Thad Mata has certainly created that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think so much back to honestly them losing. Remember when they lost in Mackey in the COVID tournament to Oral yeah. Roberts? I mean, yep. they were a two seed that year. And if you look at the other NCAA tournament appearances, I mean, they have won a game in the tournament every year and have lost to, you know, higher seeded teams. So it's not like they have this, you know, awful tournament resume of whatever. They were a three and a four and they're losing to all these double digit seeds. So, I mean, Holtman to me is a name that should and could very well resurface somewhere what do you think that would be so he's been the head coach at gardner webb at butler and at ohio state right and what was the i mean the butler resume was what at least a sweet 16 and a couple of other ncaa tournament appearances and i would say wins yeah i mean like and it, it, it pissed was, a lot of people off in the fashion in which he left and and obviously yeah, pissed him off because he left, you know, their favorite team in that gig. But uh, you know, taking a dude under how many dudes did he take with him? One or two? I can't remember. At least one, right? Yeah, I mean, it would probably be like back end of a Power Five conference. I mean, that's probably where maybe you, know, yeah. you would have to go back to to you know try and get to that level. But I mean, I'll be I mean, given the Midwest angle, given the you know proximity to Bloomington. I mean, certainly what. Oh, and 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 just Big Ten country in general. I mean, who fills the jobs at Louisville and Ohio State? I mean, you talk a recruiting ground. If you're Purdue, if you're Indiana, if you're Michael Shrewsbury at Notre Dame, Ohio State and Louisville, I mean, we've seen plenty of Indiana talent leave the state and go play at those places. Uh, those are some critical hires for the respective programs in our own backyards. Hey, Kev, final thing before I let you go here, because James is waving me off, but uh, you think the ball offensively, I brought this up a little bit earlier with Chris Denary, has it been sticking a lot more since the acquisition of Pascal Siakam? Because it was more free-flowing and throwing around, and they were having a lot of good results with that for the most part. Has it been sticking a lot more? Is that just a combination of guys being out, you know, trying to get acclimated to a new team? Is that what I'm talking about here? Have you, have you seen that ball stick as much as I, I believe I have? Yeah, I, I – I, I think there is some of that. I, I don't think it's like to a super alarming level. And I think part of that is a little bit of just Siakam. Like, I mean, he's a great individual scorer. So when you throw it to him um, and he still certainly, you know, is a very good passer, but you know, part of that is just, you aren't going to get the ball back in the same sort of fashion, or it's not going to move in the same fashion that maybe it did when different guys were in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, I thought they were in a pretty good rhythm Saturday night in New York, you know, granted it's a New York team that certainly was missing a bunch of guys and, uh, that's been a little bit out of the norm when you look at it. And, and maybe is this a little bit of just the rest of the league is kind of catching up to the Pacers offensively, what they were doing this season of, okay, we're, we're going to try and limit some of that stuff to way they aren't in this, you know, incredible, you know, ball movement flow, however you want to describe it 
for them. Um, but man, I mean, you just, I mean, you go back to Monday night, John, it was every box you didn't check. I mean, offensively, you were terrible. Uh, your bench was awful. Uh, defensively, I, the stat that I cannot keep on just glossing over is in the second half, Charlotte was 23 of 27 on two point shots. I mean, they missed four two point shots in the entire second half, they missed one got inside the arc in the fourth quarter. Like, again, those things just cannot happen, and it was all of it, all of it, offensively, defensively, the very reliable bench. Uh, I mean, Matherin looked just so out of sorts, and physically, clearly, there's an issue. Um, it was probably the most lethargic I've seen him look, and that's not a word that I think we describe him as, really, um, with how he usually attacks. So, Aesthetically, I don't know how it's going to look tonight at all, but, boy, you just scratch and claw, try to find a win, and then regroup during this All-Star break. Some guys probably participating Friday and Saturday need more rest, frankly. Yeah. Matherin, Turner, Halliburton, I mean, if we're going to be totally honest, uh, they need rest right now. And I, I get it's not the most extensive on-court stuff they're doing this weekend, but still, um, you need guys to you know spend this week in the R&R because right now it is a team that has just looked very clunky in the last month. A lot slower than they were when they really were getting the upper hand on other teams, for example, like like the Bucks in four out of five meetings this season. A lot slower they have been. Kevin Bowen is with us. Uh, morning wake-up call, KB and Andy. Again, when is your anniversary? Uh, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night the 16th. Yep, yep, yep. I think uh, – I think Sweebo, I think Sweeney, when he got married in front of that Taco Bell in Sellersburg, I think that was like August the 13th. It was, it was a little, a 91 degree, 91 degree afternoon in August. Yeah, they chose to get in the parking lot at Taco Bell down there. You know, that Taco Bell's right off of 65. Have you seen it before? You want a hot sauce with a chalupa that comes with getting Yeah, married? yeah, well, I mean, I, I do. I, I, I can't remember. I think that that was a year when they brought back the uh, Mexican pizza. I think that was a big deal, too. I think they had that for the <laughs> wedding dinner. Was it the Dorito-flavored uh, shell? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know he's at home all, He's at home listening right now because he listens nonstop all day. He's all pissed right now. He's oh, all, 1,000%. I would say he's 1, red. I would say he's all red-faced, but uh, he, they just come for the territory. He's all red-bearded right now. Red bearded. I'll set the over under at seven oh three and thirty seconds. He brings us up tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm going to get a hold of you on Sunday too because I got to do a show here downtown, and uh, we'll we'll yap at each other a little bit on Sunday. All right. Okay. Cool. Shoot me a text. All right, Kev. See you, bud. I right, see you, John. Kevin Bowen. Morning wake up call with KB and Andy.